be seated. Father, thank you so much that your word tells us where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're in the midst. And we know that you're here. We know that your spirit lives within us and is constantly guiding and directing and leading us into truth and helping us to understand the parts of life that are so confusing. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the the life change that you bring. The restoration, the hope, the forgiveness, the freedom that comes from knowing you. Thank you. Thanks for those gifts. And God, in the next few moments, as we open your word, we pray that your spirit would be free to touch our hearts, to minister to us, to engage our minds with truth, to help us to understand who we are as a body and what you have in store for us. God, would you speak to our hearts and and not just speak to us, but cause us to want to walk out of this place different because of the truth of the word of God. We ask that your will would be accomplished in our hearts and anything that would stop that from happening, that you would bring it to our attention and remove it from our life. Thank you for the power of the word of God that reaches down into our hearts and changes us from the inside out. Speak to us in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be looking at uh, a passage of scripture this morning. They gave me a free week. It's communion. And we're done the book of Colossians. And they gave me a free week, which is really dangerous. um, Because my mind just does all these crazy things. And yeah, somebody agreed. Um, And I can't explain how it works. And I, I guess I won't even try. But this summer, as I've been reading and studying and thinking, and been thinking a lot about the church, and the part that the church plays, and why it matters. And when we were going through the book of Colossians, one of the sections that I had that we spent a little bit of time on in Colossians 3 was that God, through Jesus Christ, kind of proved that he loves the church. And so this morning, I want to build on that a little bit, and we're going to lead that right into communion. We're going to talk about what it means to, to, to have kind of a relationship with Christ and what that, how that influences the body as a whole. And so we're going to spend the next few moments talking about the church, the body, the group of people who are called Christ followers. And that's why as we were starting this morning and we're doing announcements, I had you just realize once again that it's not a building. That's not, that's not it. It's not, a, it's not something that we build with our hands. It's something that, that God has put together and, and Christ is the head of the church. That's the way the scripture kind of lays that out for us. We're going to build on that for a few moments this morning. And I want you to understand, if you're a Christ follower, if you've come to the point in your life where you understood, look, I can't pay for my sin on my own. And maybe you came to the place finally where you went, wow, I'm a sinner. (laughs) I struggle. I don't do everything right. I struggle. And I have guilt in my life. I I have pain in my life that's caused by my own disobedience. That's the word that scripture uses. And because of that, I need to figure out how to be made right with God. And, and I can't do it. I can't work hard enough. There's no list that I could check off that would make it me come to the point where I go, there, I did enough, and God's happy. It doesn't work like that. And so God knew that, and he knew that our relationship was broken. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was perfect. 
And Jesus Christ came and he walked on this earth, and we celebrate that at Christmas, the fact that he came as a little baby, but that's really not the whole point of why he came. He came and he walked as God on earth among man. And he set aside some of his, of, of his characteristics for a period of time while he was on earth so that we could relate to him, so that we could begin to understand a little bit about him. And in his perfection and not sinning, but yet being tempted, Hebrews says that in every aspect he was tempted just the way you and I are. So whatever it is that you faced this week that was really difficult and was a temptation to you, Jesus Christ knows what that temptation was. He experienced it. He understands it. And scripture says, but yet without sin, he never sinned in all those temptations that came his way. He never sinned. And he looked ahead in time, and I'm going to put it this way, and you can put it your way, but I'm going to put it this way. He looked ahead in time, and he saw Tim. That's me. And he said, hey, he's not going to be able to do this on his own, and he needs a Savior. He needs somebody who could reach down and rescue him. I needed to be rescued. There was nothing that I could do on my own to make myself right before God, who is holy. But Jesus Christ said, I love that guy because I created him. And I want our relationship to be restored and made new. And so he went to the cross, and as he spread his hands out on the cross, he saw me. And he died and shed his blood so that I could be free. You can put your name in there because he did it for you too. And so I came to a place in my life as a young boy where I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And I accepted the gift of salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. And I became part of the family of God, the body of Jesus Christ, part of the church. I'm a member of the church. Yeah. And I'm not a member because I signed anything. I'm a member because I accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. I'm a member of his church. Now, there's a universal church, all those believers across the world who are celebrating today, they're worshiping God today, and they worship today and on other days of the week as well. They're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. If they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they are part of the body. Where Holly goes, they're part of the body. They're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. And that is a universal or a worldwide expression of the church. But there's a local expression of the church. That's us sitting in this room at this moment. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are an expression of the body of Jesus Christ. Now let me show you from Scripture how this body functions. You ready for this? It's going to be quick. We don't have a lot of time. So you're going to put your seatbelt on, put your thinking cap on, don't check out, all right? Because you're going to miss a step. I don't want you missing anything. You ready for this? Now the passage of Scripture I'm going to go to first when I re- start reading it, there's a lot of you who've read this passage before, and immediately your brain is going to go to marriage. And that's okay, because the context of the passage deals with marriage. But at the same time, and God is so good at this, at the same time, this passage of Scripture also deals with the church. And I want your brain to think, don't think about marriage, I want your brain to think about the church. Okay, can you do that with me? Here we go. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, go to Ephesians 5. If you don't, just look up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5. Here we go. We're going to start at verse 25. We're going to jump in the middle of a conversation, okay? Here we go. 
Here's the, here's the text. Now remember, don't think about marriage. All right? You got it? What are you going to think about? The church. Okay, you with me? Now, a couple of you got it. Don't think about marriage. You're going to think about the church. Okay, all right, here we go. Ready for this? Husbands, see? And immediately, some of you did it. Go back to the church. All right, husbands, love your wives. Don't think about marriage. Just as Christ, what does it say? Christ did what? Loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the what? Church. The church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but what? Holy and blameless. So don't think about marriage. Let's go back. Let's get the con- let's get down deep in this one. Let's figure this out. Here's what it says. It says that God ordained that Christ would do what? He would do what? You said it. He would love the church. God looked down and he said, I'm going to build something and I'm going to make it in such a way that, that there is a head over the church. If you look at another passage, it says that, that Christ is the head, the leader, the one who's over the church. And he says this, I'm not just going to build something, but I'm going to love it. And when God says that he loves something, it means this. It means that he's all in. It means that every part of him is into whatever it is that he's talking about. When he says that he loves you and he loves me, he loved us so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. That's what the love of Christ is all about. And so when God looks at the church and he says, I love the church, it doesn't, he's not saying this is a little side thing that I've got going. It's a little side hustle. And if it works, that's cool. That's not it. He's not saying, hey, the, the church is, it's got some really neat elements. You know, Amanda's in the church and she's kind of, she's, she's neat and it would be cool if she worked out in the church and if it works, okay, but if not, oh well. No. Scripture says it this way. says that he loves the church. And then he goes even a step farther and he says this. He says he loves the church and he wants the church, her, the bride, that's why we get the marriage thing here, right? Remember, we're talking about the church. He says that he loves the church and he wants her to be holy and blameless, spotless. How does that happen? What does that look like? When God talks about his church, He's talking about something that has come to a level that is so high, that is so powerful, that it draws people to it. Now here's a quote that happened from 9-11. You remember 9-11? Right after 9-11, there was a whole bunch of people who went back to church. They hadn't been going to church, but they went back to church. And there was a gentleman who was in the, in the church world, and he leads church growth. And he said, here's the sad thing of 9-11. There were a whole bunch of people who went back to church after 9-11 and realized why they weren't going. You catch me? 
They went back to church after 9-11 because there was tragedy and all kinds of horrible things happened. And they went back into church and they sat down in church and they left church and they said, Oh, I remember why I left. It has no impact. That is not what God ordained. God looked at the church and he said, I love this group of people that I'm putting together and I'm putting them together so that they would be holy. They would be spotless. They would be blameless. They would would rise up in the level of how they live with one another so that people see that I am different. There's something different about me, God. And so the church, in God's view, is a very, very high and and incredible entity, if you will, or body that has a huge impact on people. Let me ask you a question, because who's the church? Who's the church? Who? We are. We're the church. So let me ask. If we're the church, what's the impact, Ben? Now, don't look at anybody else, because if you're a Christ follower, it's you. It's you. So what's your impact, Ben? You're the church, right? He loves you. He gave himself so that you would be holy, blameless, spotless. What's your impact, Ben? You're the church. I'm the church. So Christ cares deeply for the church. And he cares so deeply that he was willing to give his son for the church and to head the church, to lead the church. He cares deeply about the church. Now, let me see how you belong and how you fit in the church. Go back to Romans with me, chapter 7. I found this verse in Romans chapter 7. I'd read it a bunch of times. And when I read it this time, there was a couple things that jumped out at me. Romans 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you might belong to one another. Stop for a minute. What that means is this. Before you lived under sin... And when you lived under sin, the law said, you're not good enough, right? That's the point of the Ten Commandments. They looked at the Ten Commandments and said, I can't measure up. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. And that was the point of the law. It was to show us that we fall short. We can't do it. And when we were under the law, we were dead in sin. There was nothing that I could do. But when Jesus Christ came, he says, look, I grabbed you and I pulled you out of that and I redeemed you and I made you new and I washed you clean. So now you're right before God. You have right standing before God. So that's what he says. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were also, also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another. Now pay attention. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. The word belong, how many times do you see it in that passage? How many? Twice. You belong, right? You belong to one another, and you belong to Him. The word belong, when we see it in this passage, has two meanings. Okay? You ready for this? The word belong in the first, when we belong to Christ, means this, ownership. The moment that you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you give yourself to Jesus Christ, the price that He paid for your sin, He, what's the word? Owns you. He bought you with a price. He owns you. That's belonging. The second meaning is we belong to one another. That means this. It means to be a member of or linked together or affiliated with. So one belong is to own. The other is to be joined, to be a member of. 
Now, here's what happens with belonging in our day and age and where we live. We want to own stuff, right? And we buy stuff to own stuff. And some people buy stuff just to have stuff. And they have some stuff and they feel like they need more stuff and so they buy more stuff. And they buy more of the same stuff so that they have more of the same stuff and it just collects as stuff and then they have all the stuff that they have to look after but they keep buying stuff. You you with me? You ever been there? Yeah, of course you have. You ever collected anything? (laughs) There you go. When I was, I was going to say a kid but it's not true. When I was a young adult, I grew up farming and I love farm equipment. And so I started collecting the little, little toys, the farm equipment toys. And I had people buy them for me for gifts. It was great. I had all these toys. Farm equipment, loved it. You know, you know what? You can't do anything with it. Because when you become an adult, if someone walks in your office and you're playing with your farm toys, <laughs> even when you want to, and you hope that you have kids so you can sit on the floor and play with the farm toys, Right? I tried to make my son love John Deere as much as I do. He could care less. It's stuff. And it all goes in a little bucket and it sits down in the basement in the bucket and finally I gave most of it to the kids to play with it. I don't care. Because it's stuff. But here's what we do. This belong, this ownership, that's how our society looks at ownership. We gather stuff. God doesn't. When God bought you, and he paid for you, and he owns you, he bought you not to gather stuff, but he bought you to belong to him so that you, in turn, could belong to a body. It's different. He didn't do it to collect stuff. He did it to pull a body together that would make a difference for his kingdom. You get me? He brought you so that you would belong, so that in belonging to one another, being attached, affiliated, linked to a member of the body of Jesus Christ, that you have a greater mission than just a collection of stuff. And often the church ends up as a collection of stuff. People. And this is what happens. We say, I'm going to church. And we go to church and we sit down at church and we go, wow, look at all the people at church. This is cool. We all collected at church today. Man, I can't wait for that guy to shut up so I can go home and have lunch. But I'm at church. I'm almost done, by the way, if you're ready. (laughs) But it's a collection of stuff. And so we come and we sit in a collection of other people doing our thing so that we can leave. And I have done, God collected his stuff. And God doesn't look at the body that way. He says this, look, the price was really high for me to buy you, to purchase you. And I was willing to pay the price. And when I bought you, I bought you so that you could belong. See, every one of us has a hole in our heart and we need to belong. We need to matter. And every one of us was given gifts and talents and abilities that when given back to the body and when given back to God, bring meaning and bring fulfillment and bring 
peace and bring guidance and bring an outcome to life that means something so much more than just me. And so when God bought me, he says, look, I'm going to take the real you that I created. I'm going to set you free in the body so that you could make a difference for me. That's why I bought you. I didn't buy you to collect stuff. I bought you so you could belong. And we live in a society today where people are searching in every way possible to belong, to fit in. They will do whatever it takes. They will buy whatever it takes. They will join whatever club they could join. They will spend whatever they don't have to belong, to belong, to fit in. And God goes, I already did that for you. I did it through my son so that you could belong to a body, so you could be a member of, you could be linked to. And you could use the gifts that I have instilled in you so that you could become the best version of you that I created. That's what that verse is all about. The end of that verse says this. It says, so that you could produce good fruits. So that you could produce good works. Not for the church, for God. For God, for his kingdom. You will never feel full. You'll never feel complete until you really belong. Belonging is a two-way street. It's being accepted by God into the family, and then it's by being accepting of the family that he put you in. You get that? It's being accepted by God into the family through his son, and then by accepting the family that he put you in. And here's what happens for us, guys, gals. There goes points in our lives where we put walls up in our life. And we're happy to be accepted by God. We're happy that he paid the price for our sin. But we put walls up in our lives and we go, look, no one's getting close. I'm not letting anybody in. Oh, great, God, you saved me and I'll get to heaven. But I'm not being part of any family stuff. God goes, that's not why I saved you. I saved you to be part of the family. I didn't save you to go to church and get upset and walk away. I saved you to be part of the family. And I have gifts and I have abilities that I gave you that the family needs. They need your gifts. They need your ability. That's why God did that. So, what does that look like in your life? So, what is the intended purpose of God purchasing me? What is the intended purpose of God purchasing you? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bible. We're going to look at this briefly, and then we're going to celebrate communion together this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start at verse 12. Let me read this for you. For just as the body is one, and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, Paul's really wordy. What he's saying is, you're all one body. That's what he said, okay? When we become Christ followers, we're one body. And we're all together as one body. And Christ is the head. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into what? 
one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. We're all together in this. There's no separation. It doesn't matter the background that we come from. It doesn't matter what economic status we fit on. It doesn't matter what your job is or isn't. It doesn't matter. We're all, when we come to know Jesus Christ, he says, there's not slave or free. There's not even nationality. It doesn't matter. We're all in Christ. Where? Together. One body. Serving each other. One body. Many parts making up one body. When one part only takes from the body, what happens to the body? You tell me. If one thing only takes from the body, what happens to the body? It what? It starts to fall apart. It starts to get weak. Think of it this way. If you had a parasite who attaches itself to the body, and it sucks, and it sucks, and it sucks, and it sucks. What happens to the body? Yeah, Phil's right. It sucks. Because it's giving all the energy away, right? We know it in our climate with moose, right? They're saying this, that there are ticks who attach themselves to moose, and hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of them, they hit the winter, and they lose all of their energy, and they freeze to death, or they die because the energy is gone. Now let's translate that to the body of Jesus Christ. He says, we are one body. We are all one. And if we attach ourselves to a body and only take, what happens to the body? It shrivels. It gets weak. And you say, yeah, but I don't have anything to give. Oh, yes, you do. Because when God brought you into the body of Jesus Christ, he gave you a part to play in the body of Jesus Christ. And so, All of the parts of the body of Jesus Christ equally are important. I am no more important than any other body in any other part in the body of Jesus Christ. I have a gift. I must use my gift. One of my gifts is teaching. That's why I'm here. And I have to use my gift for the benefit of the body. But every member has to do the same thing. And when the members all do their part, guess what happens to the body? It grows. It gets strong. It does what no one thought it could ever do. Remember the ants on our little video? They're working. They're all pulling their food. They're marching away. And one little ant starts to get sucked away. And guess what happens? They all go, hey, hold it. And they pull together. And they save the little ant. It's the body of Jesus Christ, folks. When we do our part, when we do what God gifted us to do, the whole body benefits So let me ask. I'm going to end with this. I'm done. I will be quiet at some point. Let me end with this. What's your part? If you're a Christ follower, what's your part? What's your passion? You may be sitting here this morning and saying, man, I've been a Christ follower for a long time and I have no clue what my part is. Would you get on your face before God and ask him? Because he'll tell you. He's not hiding it. God does not sit in heaven going, man, I'm going to play hide and seek. See if they can find their part. He doesn't do that. He's not like that. And when we get serious before God and we ask him, God, what part would you have me to play? He begins to make it very clear. He begins to bring people in your life that you can serve and you can minister. Understand this. Your part is involved with people. Always. It's always people. Because the body of Jesus Christ is about people. 
And so if you're looking for your part, start praying for people. Start asking God to bring people into your life that you can make a difference in. And he'll do it. I can guarantee it. He'll do it. Because if you're a member of the body of Jesus Christ, you have a part. This morning, we want to celebrate communion. And communion is this. It's saying thank you. It's saying thank you to Jesus for what he did for us on the cross by making us belong, members of the body of Jesus Christ. I am so thankful that he reached down and he pulled me out of the mess that my life was in and would become. And that's what communion is about. It's remembering the price that was paid on our behalf by Jesus Christ from the plan of the Father. God the Father looked ahead and saw our need. And he said, I'm going to meet that need through Jesus Christ. Let me read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that talk about this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when Jesus was betrayed. The, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Taking the bread and taking the cup are symbols of the broken body of Jesus Christ when he went to the cross and his body was broken for you to pay the price for sin. And the perfect blood that was shed to cover my sin and yours. And so whenever we take communion, we're being reminded that the price was high. It was incredibly high. But the willingness was love. The willingness was looking ahead and seeing you and seeing me and realizing I created those people in my image and I love them so much I want to restore the relationship with them. And Jesus saw you and that's what he wanted. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, you can. It's simply coming to the place where you admit that you need a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior and saying yes to him. That's all it is. But if you do this morning... If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you celebrate with us? Would you celebrate what Jesus did? The guys will bring the bread and pass it out. And then they'll come along and bring the cup. And on both of those elements, when you're ready, go ahead and take them. Um, It'll be fine. and, And they'll pass those out. And our worship team will lead as we worship together and take the elements of communion. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you for your incredible love for for your body, the body, the church. Thanks that you allowed me to be part. You gave me the gift to teach. You've given me a place to do that. Thank you. Thank you for the impact that you've allowed me to have on people's lives. It's incredible, and I I feel uh, overwhelmed by that so often. Thank you for each person that's bowed here that is a Christ follower. You have a part that you want them to play in the body, and God, if they're not... If they're not on the field playing the game, if they're not part, would you challenge their heart and encourage them? Would you show them the people that you want them to love, that you want them to care for and serve? God, thanks for your son, Jesus Christ. And in the next few moments, as we remember your death, your burial, and your resurrection, would you bless our hearts by it? 
Thank you for the incredible love that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. So folks, we're going to leave this place. And what we just celebrated was saying this. Jesus Christ was looking at you through communion and saying, if you accepted my gift on the cross, you belong. You have a home. You have a family. You fit. You have a purpose. I created you with something in mind. And you belong. If you've been looking to belong, (laughs) it's found in Jesus Christ, folks. That's where your belonging is. And if you're a believer and you're looking to fit, go to God. Ask Him the people He wants you to serve. You fit. You have a place. Let's leave here this week and be the body He created us to be. We're not stuff. We're a body. Members with a purpose. Purpose purchased on purpose. Father, help us to be the church that you bought with a price. Help us to live out the purpose that you have for us with the folks that we rub shoulders with this week. Remind us that we belong. We're part of the family, part of your body. And each part has a position that it fills. God, help us this week to do that. Thanks for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.